The second part of Tamburlaine the Great by Christopher Marlowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Prologue, read by Martin Giessen. The general welcomes Tamburlaine received, when he arrived last upon the stage, have made our poet pen his second part, where death cuts off the progress of his pomp, and murderous fates throw all his triumphs down. But what became of fair Xenocrate, and with how many cities sacrifice he celebrated her sad funeral, himself in presence shall unfold at large. Dramatis Personae for Tamburlaine the Great, Part Two, by Christopher Marlowe. Tamburlaine, King of Persia. Read by David Goldfarb. Caliphas, son of Tamburlaine. Read by Sarah Crampton. Amiras, son of Tamburlaine. Read by Liberty Stump. Celebinus, son of Tamburlaine. Read for LibriVox. By Tina Nuzzi. Theridamas, King of Argier. Read by Timothy Ferguson. Techelles, King of Fez. Read by Larry Womack. Usunkasane, King of Morocco. Read by Paul Andrews. Orcanes, King of Natolia. Read by Frank Booker. King of Trebizon. Read by Robert Scheid. King of Soria. Read by Algy Pug. King of Jerusalem. Read by Dale Burgess. King of Amasia. Read by Algy Pug. Gazellus, Viceroy of Byron. Read by Algy Pug. Uribasa. Read by Robert Scheid. Sigismund. King of Hungary. Read by Dale Burgess. Frederick, Lord of Buda and Bohemia. Read by Marty Chris. Baldwin, Lord of Buda and Bohemia. Read by Peter Bishop. Calapine, son to Bajazeth and prisoner to Tamburlaine. Read by Amy Graymore. Almeida, his keeper. Read by Peter Bishop. Governor of Babylon. Read by Martin Giessen. Captain. Read by Marty Chris. Captain's son. Read by Ariel Lipshaw. Maximus. Read by Algy Pug. Pioneers. Read by Algy Pug. Perdicas. Read by Algy Pug. First Physician. Read by Algy Pug. Messenger. Read by Eilina Willis. Messenger. Two. Read by Tricia G. Citizen. Read by Eilina Willis. Second Citizen. Read by Beth Thomas. Soldier One. Read by Algy Pug. Soldier Two. Read by Algy Pug. Xenocrates. Wife to Tamburlaine. Read by Sandra. 
Olympia, wife to the captain. Read by Deborah Lee. Concubine one. Read by Elizabeth Clett. Concubine two. Read by Arielle Lipshaw. Concubine three. Read for LibriVox by Tina Nuzzi. Narrator. Read for LibriVox by Tina Nuzzi. Act One. Scene One. Enter Orcanes, King of Natolia, Gazellus, Viceroy of Byron, Erebasa, and their train with drums and trumpets. Egregious viceroys of these eastern parts, placed by the issue of great Bajazeth and sacred lord, the mighty Calipine, who lives in Egypt, prisoner to that slave which kept his father in an iron cage, now have we marched from fair Natolia, two hundred leagues, and on Danubius banks our warlike host, in complete armor, rests, where Sigismund, the king of Hungary, should meet our person to conclude a truce. What shall we parley with the Christian, or cross the stream and meet him in the field? King of Natalia, let us treat of peace. We all are glutted with the Christian's blood, and have a greater foe to fight against. Proud Tamburlaine, that now in Asia, near Gyron's head, doth set his conquering feet, and means to fire Turkey as he goes. Against him, my lord, you must address your power. Besides, King Sigismund hath brought from Christendom more than his camp of stout Hungarians, Sclavonians, Almains, Rutters, Muffs, and Danes, that with the halberd, lance, and murdering axe will hazard that we might with surety hold. Though from the shortest northern parallel, vast grantland compassed by the frozen sea, inhabited with tall and sturdy men, giants as big as huge polypheme, Millions of soldiers cut the Arctic line, bringing the strength of Europe to these arms. Our turkey blades shall glide through all their throats, and make this champion mead a bloody fen. The Nubia's stream that runs through Tremizod shall carry, wrapped within its scarlet waves as martial presents to our friends at home, the slaughtered bodies of these Christians. The terrine main wherein Danubius falls shall by this battle be the bloody sea. The wandering sailors of proud Italy shall meet those Christians, fleeting with the tide, beating in heaps against their argosies, and make fair Europe, mounted on her bull, trapped with the wealth and riches of the world, alight and wear a woeful morning weed. Yet, stout Orcanes, pro-rex of the world, since Tamburlaine hath mustered all his men marching from Cairo northward with his camp, to Alexandria and the frontier towns, meaning to make a conquest of our land, tis requisite to parley for a peace with Sigismund, the king of Hungary, and save our forces for the hot assaults proud Tamburlaine intends Natolia. Viceroy of Byron, wisely hast thou said, my realm, the centre of our empery, once lost, all Turkey would be overthrown. For that cause the Christians shall have peace. Sclavonians, Almains, Rutters, Muffs, and Danes, fear not, or Kenes, but great Tamburlaine, not he, but fortune that hath made him great. We have revolted Grecians, Albanese, Sicilians, Jews, Arabians, Turks, and Moors, Natolians, Saurians, Black Egyptians, Illyrians, Thracians, and Bithynians, enough to swallow forceless Sigismund, yet scarce enough to encounter Tamburlaine. He brings a world of people to the field, 
from Scythia to the oriental plague of India, where raging Lanchidol beats on the regions with his boisterous blows that never seem and yet discovered. All Asia is in arms with Tamburlaine, even from the midst of fiery Kansas tropic to Amazonia under Capricorn, and thence as far as Archipelago. All Africa is in arms with Tamburlaine. Therefore, Viceroy, the Christians must have peace. Enter Sigismund, Frederick, Baldwin, and their train, with drums and trumpets. Orcanus, as our legates promised thee, we with our peers have crossed Danubius's stream to treat of friendly peace or deadly war. Take which thou wilt, for as the Romans used, I here present thee with a naked sword. Wilt thou have war? Then shake this blade at me. If peace, restore it to my hands again, and I will sheathe it to confirm the same. Stay, Sigismund. Forgetst thou I am he that with the cannon shook Vienna walls and made it dance upon the continent, as when the massy substance of the earth quivers about the axle-tree of heaven? Forgetst thou that I sent a shower of darts, mingled with powdered shot and feathered steel, so thick upon the blink-eyed burghers' heads, that thou thyself, then County Palatine, the King of Bohem, and the Austric Duke sent heralds out, which basely on their knees in all your names desired a truce of me? Forgetst thou that to have me raise my siege, wagons of gold were set before my tent, stamped with the princely fowl that in her wings carries the fearful thunderbolts of Jove? How canst thou think of this, and offer war? Vienna was besieged, and I was there, then County Palatine, but now a king. And what we did was in extremity, but now, Arcanus, view my royal host that hides these plains, and seems as vast and wide as doth the desert of Arabia to those that stand on Bajet's lofty tower, or as the ocean to the traveller that rests upon the snowy Apennines. And tell me whether I should stoop so low, or treat of peace with the Natolian king. Kings of Natolia and of Hungary, we came from Turkey to confirm a league, not to dare each other to the field. A friendly parley might become you both. And we from Europe to the same intent, which if your general refuse or scorn, our tents are pitched, our men stand in array, ready to charge you, ere you stir your feet. So pressed are we. But yet, if Sigismund speak as a friend and stand not upon terms, here is his sword. Let peace be ratified on these conditions specified before, drawn with advice of our ambassadors. Then here I sheathe it, and give thee my hand, never to draw it out, or manage arms against thyself or thy confederates. But whilst I live, will be at truce with thee. But Sigismund, confirm it with an oath, and swear in sight of heaven, and by thy Christ. By him that made the world, and saved my soul, the Son of God, and issue of a maid, sweet Jesus Christ, I solemnly protest, and vow to keep this peace inviolable. By sacred Mahomet, the friend of God, whose holy Alcoran remains with us, whose glorious body, when he left the world, closed in a coffin, mounted up the air, and hung in stately Mecca's temple roof, I swear to keep this truce inviolable, of whose conditions and our solemn oaths signed with our hands, each shall retain a scroll, 
as memorable witness of our league. Now, Sigismund, if any Christian king encroach upon the confines of thy realm, send word or kennies of Natolia, confirm this league beyond Danubius' stream, and they will trembling sound a quick retreat. So am I feared among all nations. If any heathen potentate or king invade Natolia, Sigismund will send a hundred thousand horse trained to the war, and backed by stout lancers of Germany, the strength and sinews of the imperial seat. I thank thee, Sigismund, but when I wore all Asia Minor, Africa, and Greece, follow my standard and my thundering drums. Come, let us go and banquet in our tents. I will dispatch chief of my army hence to fair Natolia and to Trebizond, to stay my coming against proud Tamburlaine. Friend Sigismund and peers of Hungary, come banquet and carouse with us a while, and then depart we to our territories. Exeunt. Scene two. Enter Calipine and Almeida, his keeper. Sweet Almeida, pity the ruthful plight of Calipine, the son of Bajazeth, born to be monarch of the western world, yet here detained by cruel Tamburlaine. My lord, I pity it, and with my heart wish your release. But he whose wrath is death, my sovereign lord, renowned Tamburlaine, forbids you further liberty than this. Ah, were I now but half so eloquent to paint in words what I'll perform in deeds, I know thou wouldst depart from hence with me. Not for all Afrique, therefore move me not. Yet hear me speak, my gentle Almeida. No speech to that end, by your favour, sir. By Cairo runs. No talk of running, I tell you, sir. A little further, gentle Almeida. Well, sir, what of this? By Cairo runs to Alexandria Bay, de Rhodes stream, wherein at anchor lies a Turkish galley of my royal fleet, waiting my coming to the riverside, hoping by some means I shall be released, which when I come aboard will hoist up sail and soon put forth into the Terrene Sea, where twixt the isles of Cyprus and of Crete we quickly may in Turkish seas arrive. Then shalt thou see a hundred kings and more, upon their knees all bid me welcome home. Amongst so many crowns of burnished gold, choose which thou wilt, all are at thy command. A thousand galleys, manned with Christian slaves, I freely give thee, which shall cut the straits and bring our meadows from the coasts of Spain, frauded with gold of rich America. The Grecian virgin shall attend on thee, skilful in music and in amorous lays, as fair as was Pygmalion's ivory girl, or lovely Io metamorphosed. With naked negroes shall thy coach be drawn, and as thou ridest in triumph through the streets, the pavement underneath thy chariot wheels, with turkey carpets shall be covered, and cloth of arras hung about the walls, fit objects for thy princely eye to pierce. A hundred basos, clothed in crimson silk, shall ride before thee on barbarian steeds. And when thou goest, a golden canopy enchased with precious stones, which shine as bright as that fair veil that covers all the world, when Phoebus, leaping from his hemisphere, descendeth downward to the Antipodes. And more than this, for all I cannot tell. How far hence lies the galley, say you? Sweet Almeida, scarce half a league from hence. But need we not be spied going abroad? betwixt the hollow hanging of a hill and crooked bending of a craggy rock. The sails wrapped up, the mast and tacklings down. She lies so close that none can find her out. 
I like that well. But tell me, my lord, if I should let you go, would you be as good as your word? Shall I be made a king for my labor? As I am Calipine the emperor, and by the hand of Mahomet, I swear, thou shalt be crowned a king, and be my mate. Then here I swear, as I am Olmeda, your keeper under Tamburlaine the Great, for that's the style and title I have yet. Although he sent a thousand armed men to intercept this haughty enterprise, yet would I venture to conduct your grace, and die before I brought you back again. Thanks, gentle Almeida. Then let us haste, lest time be passed in lingering let us both. When you will, my lord, I am ready. Even straight, and farewell, cursed Tamburlaine. Now go I to revenge my father's death. Excellent. Scene three. Enter Tamburlaine, Xenocrity, and their three sons, Caliphas, Amyrus, and Celebinus, with drums and trumpets. Now, bright Xenocrate, the world's fair eye, whose beams illuminate the lamps of heaven, whose cheerful looks do clear the cloudy air and clothe it in a crystal livery. Now rest thee here on fair Larissa plains, where Egypt and the Turkish empire part, between thy sons, that shall be emperors, and every one commander of a world. Sweet Tamburlaine, when wilt thou leave these arms, and save thy sacred person free from scathe, and dangerous chances of the wrathful war? When heaven shall cease to move on both the poles, and when the ground whereon my soldiers march shall rise aloft and touch the horned moon, and not before, my sweet Xenocrate. Sit up, and rest thee like a lovely queen. So, now she sits in pomp and majesty, when these my sons, more precious in mine eyes than all the wealthy kingdoms I subdued, placed by her side, look on their mother's face. But yet, methinks their looks are amorous, not martial as the sons of Tamburlaine. Water and air, being symbolized in one, argue their want of courage and of wit. Their hair as white as milk, and soft as down, which should be like the quills of porcupines, as black as jet, and hard as iron or steel. Be raised, they are too dainty for the wars. Their fingers, made to quaver on a lute, their arms, to hang about a lady's neck, their legs, to dance and caper in the air, would make me think them bastards, not my sons. But that I know they issued from thy womb, that never looked on man but Tamburlaine. My gracious lord, they have their mother's looks, but when they list, their conquering father's heart. This lovely boy, the youngest of the three, not long ago destroyed a Scythian steed, trotting the ring and tilting at a glove, which, when he tainted with his slender rod, he reined him straight, and made him so curved as I cried out for fear he should have fallen. Well done, my boy. Thou shalt have shield and lance, armor of proof, horse, helm, and curtle-axe, and I will teach thee how to charge thy foe and harmless run among the deadly pikes. If thou wilt love the wars and follow me, thou shalt be made a king and reign with me, keeping in iron cages emperors. 
if thou exceed thy elder brother's worth and shine in complete virtue more than they thou shalt be king before them and thy seed shall issue crowned from their mother's womb yes father you shall see me if i live have under me as many kings as you and march with such a multitude of men as all the world shall tremble at their view these words assure me boy thou art my son when i am old and cannot manage arms be thou the scourge and terror of the world why may not i my lord as well as he be termed the scourge and terror of the world be all a scourge and terror to the world or else you are not sons of tamburlaine but while my brothers follow arms my lord let me accompany my gracious mother they are enough to conquer all the world and you have won enough for me to keep bastardly boy sprung from some coward's loins and not the issue of great tamburlaine of all the provinces i have subdued thou shalt not have a foot unless thou bear a mind courageous and invincible for he shall wear the crown of persia whose head hath deepest scars whose breast most wounds which being wroth sends lightning from his eyes and in the furrows of his frowning brows harbors revenge war death and cruelty for in a field whose superficies is covered with a liquid purple veil and sprinkled with the brains of slaughtered men my royal chair of state shall be advanced and he that means to place himself therein must armed wade up to the chin in blood my lord such speeches to our princely sons dismay their minds before they come to prove the wounding troubles angry war affords no madam these speeches are fit for us for if his chair were in a sea of blood i would prepare a ship and sail to it ere i would lose the title of a king and i would strive to swim through pools of blood or make a bridge of murdered carcasses whose arches should be framed with bones of turks ere i would lose the title of a king well lovely boys ye shall be emperors both stretching your conquering arms from east to west and sirrah if you mean to wear a crown when we shall meet the turkish deputy and all his viceroys snatch it from his head and cleave his pericranian with thy sword if any man will hold him i will strike and cleave him to the channel with my sword hold him and cleave him too or i'll cleave thee for we will march against them presently theridamus ticelles and cassane promise to meet me on larissa plains with hosts apiece against this turkish crew for i have sworn by sacred mahomet to make it parcel of my empery the trumpets sound xenocrate they come enter theridamus and his train with drums and trumpets welcome theridamus king of argier my lord the great and mighty tamburlaine archmonarch of the world i offer here my crown myself and all the power i have in all affection at thy kingly feet thanks good theridamus under my colours march ten thousand greeks and of argia and afric's frontier towns twice twenty thousand valiant men-at-arms all of which have sworn to sack natolia 
five hundred brigandines are under sail meet for your service on the sea my lord that launching from argia to tripoli will quickly ride before natolia and batter down the castles on the shore well said argier receive thy crown again enter usum Kassane and tecellis kings of morocco and of fez welcome magnificent and peerless tamburlaine i and my neighbour king of fez have brought to aid thee in this turkish expedition a hundred thousand expert soldiers from azamor to tunis near the sea is barbary unpeopled for thy sake and all the men in armour under me which with my crown i gladly offer thee thanks king of morocco take your crown again and mighty tamburlaine our earthly god whose looks make this inferior world to quake i here present thee with the crown of fez and with an host of moors trained to the war whose coal-black faces make their foes retire and quake for fear as if infernal jove meaning to aid thee in these turkish arms should pierce the black circumference of hell with ugly furies bearing fiery flags and millions of his strong tormenting spirits from strong tessela unto bilidul all barbary is unpeopled for thy sake thanks king of fez take here thy crown again your presence loving friends and fellow kings makes me to surfeit in conceiving joy if all the crystal gates of jove's high court were opened wide and i might enter in to see the state and majesty of heaven it could not more delight me than your sight now will we banquet on these plains a while and after march to turkey with our camp in number more than are the drops that fall when boreas rents a thousand swelling clouds and proud orcanes of natolia with all his viceroys shall be so afraid that though the stones as at deucalion's flood were turned to men he should be overcome such lavish will i make of turkish blood that jove shall send his winged messenger to bid me sheathe my sword and leave the field the sun unable to sustain the sight shall hide his head in thetis watery lap and leave his steeds to fair boote's charge for half the world shall perish in this fight but now my friends let me examine ye how have ye spent your absent time from me my lord our men of barbary have marched four hundred miles with armour on their backs and lain in leaguer fifty months and more for since we left you at the soldan's court we have subdued the southern guelachia and all the land up to the coast of spain we kept the narrow strait of gibraltar and made canaria call us kings and lords yet never did they recreate themselves or cease one day from war and hot alarms and therefore let them rest awhile my lord they shall kissane and tis time i faith and i have marched along the river nile to Magda, where the mighty christian priest called john the great sits in a milk-white robe whose triple mitre i did take by force and made him swear obedience to my crown from thence unto kazates did i march 
where Amazonians met me in the field, with whom being women I vouchsafed a league, and with my power did march to Zanzibar, the western part of Africa, where I viewed the Ethiopian sea, rivers, and lakes, but neither man nor child in all the land. Therefore I took my course to Manico, where, unresisted, I removed my camp, and by the coast of Biather, at last I came to Cubar, where the Negroes dwell, and conquering that, made haste to Nubia. There, having sacked Borno, the kingly seat, I took the king and led him, bound in chains, unto Damascus, where I stayed before. Well done, Ticelles. What saith Theridamus? I left the confines and the bounds of Africa, and made a voyage into Europe, where, by the river Tyrus, I subdued Stoka, Podolia, and Cadimia, then crossed the sea, and came to Oblia, and Nigra Silva, where the devils dance, which, in despite of them, I set on fire. From thence I crossed the gulf called by the name Mare Majore of the inhabitants. Yet shall my soldiers make no period until Natolia kneel before your feet. Then will we triumph, banquet, and carouse. Cooks shall have pensions to provide us cates, and glut us with the dainties of the world. Lacrima Christi and Calabrian wines shall common soldiers drink in quaffing bowls. Ay, liquid gold, when we have conquered him, mingled with coral and with orient pearl. Come, let us banquet and carouse the whiles. Exeunt. End of Act One of the Second Part of Tamburlaine the Great.